Actually, we might need a we might need a beer run at some point here. I am down for beer. Between segments <laughs> one and two. Between, during. <laughs> All right, let's fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to the Score North Twin Show. First We've, place Twin Show. First, I'm Thank sorry, you. I'm sorry. Yes. The first place Score North Twin Show. That's right. And we've got myself, Phil Mackey, Rami Maklov, Judd Zolgad, and Derek Wetmore over here. And we're hanging out at Fulton right now, just outside uh, the left field entrance of Target Field. And uh, full disclosure, if you're listening to this later in the week, this is before the Twins beat the Brewers 12-1 to <laughs> in Game 2 of... Very that's, a li- that's probably a little over the top. These aren't the White Sox. It's not the White Sox. <laughs> if it was the White Sox, it would be 15-1. to 1. It would be, yes. Um, so let's, let's, I want to throw this question out, and, and Rami's answer is going to have to be a little bit different because Rami has not followed the Twins his entire uh, adult or childhood life. Right. Maybe you He's can not swap a scarred, Is that what you're getting at? Where does this Twins team, through the first two months, just what you've seen through the first two months, rank among your favorite Twins teams to watch? Can I go first? In your lifetime, yes. Second right now. Behind only 2006. 2006 looked like a team all year that you thought, not the first six weeks, but after that, and they got off to the races. That that was a better team than the It's Happening Twins because you thought they have not only the lineup to get this done, they have the pitching to not only get to October, but to win a World Series. This, we'll see. This could get into that level, but so far, I was born in 91, full disclosure, so like... Obviously, yeah. don't have memories of that club. That's amazing. You were born before any non-links Minnesota team won a championship. You were born after, I should say. No, no, no. I was uh, six months old in '91. Okay, so, so I was I was there to celebrate. You read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but this, to me, is number two. Slammed this, a beer. This has like, been yeah. a fantastic start to a season, and I can't put it ahead of 2006. But it's it's rapidly approaching that territory. Um, let's see here. So I, I started following the Twins in 1978. Those were some lean years. The 87 team popped up, but the weird thing about that team is if you go and look at the home road splits, they're incredible. That team was absolutely in the metronome dominant. Yeah. I, I'd say the two, best, the two best teams up until now for the Twins that I've seen over any length of period would be the 92 Twins. I, I remember in 92 before the Eric Fox game at the metronome when the A's came in and I think swept them in late July – thinking to myself, this is the best Twins team I've seen in my lifetime. That Twins team was incredible. They fell apart. Unfortunate. 2006 as well was a very good good team. And 2006, I think, was the best of all those teams that uh, had a, uh, a run of success there. Um, but i got to be honest, the thing about covering this team is the confidence and the dominance of the, th- this team. And again, I'll go back to two things. One is, I don't think people saw this type of dominance coming and I also don't think that we envisioned that the American League would be this apt to be beat up on consistently. Yeah. There's a few teams good, but there's a lot of teams. That White Sox series was incredible because it was as if the Twins, I, I compared it yeah. on, on uh, Friday on Twitter to the Golden State Warriors. It's as if the Twins said, okay, White Sox, you're done. Yeah. It's like when the Warriors get down by 12 points yeah. and you know that they're no. just going to go on an 18 to I, two run. Unless you're one of those people who falls for it every time and you're like, I don't know, the Warriors are in yeah. trouble this time. <laughs> I, tweeted, I tweeted on Friday night, the Twins got down early, and I tweeted something along the lines of, they'll be up 8-4 to four by the by the 6th, yeah. and I was wrong. It was the 5th. <laughs> and so I so among the Twins teams I've seen, and as far as the dominance goes, I would say that this is third on the list in progress, 92 and 2006. Okay. 
I actually have an answer to this, if you don't mind me going no, before you, Phil. Right so that 87... Rami's like the 1998 Chicago Cubs. Well, no, the, the 87 Twins team. So I had... I had been playing Little League for a couple of years before that, but never got like an actual team jersey. Like you know how some, I played Little you know League. How some, yeah, man, was I good when I was seven me. years old. <laughs> but you know how like some little leagues they actually give out like major league team jerseys, sure. right? The first team that I ever played for that I got a jersey like that was the Twins, and it was in '87. Wow. And I think every kid. They kind of have a. They start rooting for that team the first time they get that jersey in Little League. Yeah. So I was, and that was Kirby Puckett, and I was already a big fan of like big boy athletes, and Kirby was carrying a few extra pounds, and I was a big boy when I was a little kid. So I, I immediately like glommed on to that team and was, and was legitimately rooting for them, and have ever since had a soft spot in my heart for the Twins, but especially that '87 Twins. Yeah. Uh, so I love unexpected success, which is why I don't think it was completely out of nowhere that this year's Twins team has... I mean, the offensive output is kind of out of nowhere. We thought they'd be good, but not shatter the all-time yeah, if, major league if home run record, coming, right? I want your Powerball numbers. Right. So it kind of it was sort of between unexpected success and we think they're going to be decent. And that's why I say the 2001 Twins are probably my favorite Twins team in my lifetime. I was six years old when they won the World Series in 91. I was two years old when they won in 19. So, I, so those are just like distant. Like, I don't remember the, 90, uh, the 87 World Series. I remember vaguely Game 6 and Game 7 of 91. But 2001, nobody saw coming outside of the Twins organization. Nobody knew who Doug Mankiewicz was. Nobody knew who... Uh, Corey Kosky was, and Torrey Hunter had come up and stopped and started a couple times. That 2001 Twins team that missed the playoffs, but that gave you like five and a half months of interesting competing with the Indians baseball, I would still put that in terms of like what you thought they were going to be and what they wound up giving you as number one on this list. The difference to me with that 2001 team was that was such a great start and extended play, uh, a stretch of baseball until the wheels came off. But when the wheels did come off in 2001, you weren't absolutely shocked because it, that, that was a young team trying to find its groove and itself. And you said to yourself, okay, they've got something right here, but it's not shocking that this team missed the playoffs at that time. I would say with this Twins team, it would be shocking yes. be, because it's such a, they've done such a good job now in retrospect of mixing young players prospects who are coming of age now and aren't prospects they're legit players with a veteran core and i don't recall that 2001 team having yeah. a, because they basically couldn't go out and spend in the metrodome they, got, they, they traded for like rick reed right yeah and that was the matt Lawton trade and i believe that was in july okay but i mean this this team went out over the the winter and made additions and so the difference here is you've got that core group of veteran older players yeah. who can guide the way for the Rosarios and the Buxtons and all the kids. And that's what's going to be different. That's the differentiating factor. So you're putting 2001 number one. Is 2006 ahead of the season for you, Phil? Because you you would have had another unique experience or a perspective on 2006. I almost feel like 2006 is tainted because we know how it ended. Sure. This is what's hard to parse apart. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 2006. Okay. <laughs> You're they, such a Minnesota sports fan Honest to God, the, like, this is going to be, this is going to sound like a hot take. The 2006 Twins were a better team up and down than the, than either of the two teams that won the World Series. Yeah, that's fair. But they whiffed, no, that's but right. they whiffed in the play. Liriano got hurt and they whiffed in the play. More playoffs. talent. More like talent. those teams had no Johans. The, I know they had a Jack Morris, but that was at the end of his career, not in his prime Jack Morris. The 87 team 
caught lightning in a bottle. But go back and, and look at the Metrodome record. And as uh, Smalley talked about on our show today, go back and look at the pitching. It was Viola, Blylevin, Les Straker. Yeah. The, the 91 team is pretty legit, and that was a, a good team. But that 87 team was a great story and great fun. But I do not think that if we're talking about the best, most complete Twins teams that we've seen, that team is in that part of the discussion. You're saying 06. You're yeah, saying- no, no, I'm, I'm saying... I'm saying 06 was a very complete team. Yes. Yeah. The, 80, the 87 World Championship World team, though, got to it, me. Got it, got it. Okay. The 91 team, legit. Good play. 87, yep. a really nice story. But when you're throwing Les Straker in, in a World Series game and saying so, a Hail Mary. Did it just feel like like a charmed season in yes. 87? Like nothing could go wrong? I was I was pooping in diapers. Okay. So I don't um, remember, I don't remember what it felt that. like in, right. particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Derek wasn't even a conversation it, between his parents yet. It, it but fe- Judd could answer. Yeah, it felt very charmed. And they went, if I believe, at the deadline or in August. It, it might have been after the waiver period and went and got Don Baylor for that team. And he was a nice addition. But, yeah, that was, that was a team that completely took advantage of the fact that teams hated to play in the Metrodome. And those playoffs was the first time where you said where teams Detroit and the Cardinals were completely intimidated. They sure. couldn't hear. There, I I want to say was, was it Gladden or Smalley who t- told us the story of there was an opposing player and I think it was a Tigers player who threw up in the dugout. It was so loud the guy just threw up. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. It was it was deafening. Wow, it's aggressive. I think that this team has the chance to vault to the top of that list. And I hesitate to say that because that's such a big statement, but where this team is for three reasons. One, how well they played to date. This team is legit. They're very good. They're the best offensive club in baseball. Don't tell me it's the Houston Astros. It's the Minnesota Twins. That's first. Secondly, they have the ammo to add to this thing. We don't know what the 2019 Twins look like. We just know what they look like in May. Right. In September... You add another ace to this thing, add another anchor in the bullpen, it's a completely different team, and you're talking about this as one of the best Twins teams ever. Number three, this isn't short-term, well, we better capitalize on this window before it shuts. This is the opening of the window, and that's what I think is so fascinating about it. I know you hate windows talk, Judd. That's not... I, I see you smirking about this. It's, just da- it's dangerous I know because it is. this feels special. Dangerous. It's a dangerous assumption. You're saying it's dangerous to assume that you're going to be good for every year for five years. I'm saying that's a nice thought, but who, who's to say the that, Nats that, got Burial, that, that right. Burial right. is on an operating table yeah. next May? He yeah, you that's where the danger. He just had to go there, didn't and, he? And then you pick up Martin Perez's <laughs> option, and Trevor Bauer's love, got a year left of team funny. control, so life is good. It is hilarious, though, that like the Twins are like 20 games over 500, and we're thinking about what can they add at the deadline, and can they break the major league home run record? But the, the top Barrios thought in Judd's mind is out. like, when will Barrios need Tommy John surgery? We've all talked about it before. <laughs> How big is the scar? <laughs> When will his Achilles tendon blow out? No, I'm, I'm much more worried about his elbow. I'm much more worried about TJ surgery. Actually, Jose Barrios could probably strike some guys out with a torn Achilles probably. tendon. Probably. So you know probably what? Do. I've got a tweet for you. Let's let's wrap this, do the things that we need to do, namely get a beer. But I have a tweet that someone beer. sent to me today, Judd Zolgad, that you will absolutely love. In fact, I think you're going to go follow this guy right after you hear about the tweet. 
Are you going to tell us what the tweet no, is? No, I'm going to get a beer first, and then I'm going to tell you what the tweet is. <laughs> I have to go find it. Oh, it was a tease. That was wow. a tease, guys. Wow, that's a radio. Only blondes on me Are you going to pay this off during the show? Yes. Okay. Of course, yeah. Because we're not taking any commercials, so you... Oh, okay. Oh, we're not taking commercials? No. That's how this works. How do we get beer? Ross, Ross. Oh, okay. Ross, we need beer. What are you doing? Okay, well... Order whatever you need to. We're at Fulton, so I'm going to drink a Lonely Blonde. Right, okay. All right. Lonely Blonde. <laughs> okay, all That's right. the Harry Carey portion of today's show. Hi, everybody. Exactly. Hi, right. everybody. You can That's hear the cans cool. clinking underneath his feet. <laughs> oh, that was great. Hi, everybody. The old Budweiser's. <laughs> um, by the way, if, uh, if anyone who's within the ear range here has any questions, anyone, we will, if you want to ask questions and yell at Judd or me or Rami or Derek, just come on up. We'll give you a microphone and... You're welcome to say whatever you want, as long as you don't get us in trouble with the FCC. Okay, it's a podcast to be impossible. We also have, we're giving away T-shirts. We'll uh, probably edit it. Are, after. are the Bomba Soda? We've got a, we've got limited uh, stock. Those are cool. Bomba Soda shirts. Those are those cool. are nice. Bomba Soda. I hope it catches on. Are those for employees or just uh, uh, listeners? <laughs> feel free to to swipe one. I will. So this is over. I absolutely they're, will. They're two XLs. Yeah. I feel like every every I don't twins need a team two XL. What are you? What are you? I, no, for me. Oh, okay. No, I, I thought it was a. Sh- I thought it was no, a. Bad joke. I'm not taking a shot at you. Wait, no. Are you not a two XL? No. I, I, <laughs> used, I used to be a three XL. At Whoa. one point, I was a three XL. I didn't mean to start this. Now I fit Rami, into I didn't uh, mean to. large, extra large. I know. I know. We're still in the process of feeling out like this twins team's nickname, and there's. Yes. Uh, we've we've latched on to Eddie Rosario's Bombus. Every time he's in front of a camera, he's he's talks about Bombus. So we've gone with Bomba Soda. I feel like uh, every Twins team of the last 15 or 20 years has had some kind of a nickname. It's like become a thing. Like there was the Get to Know Them Twins that they From ran the, the actual campaign. campaign. Yeah, it's that like was no a great marketing knew, campaign. No one knew who any of the Twins were, yep. so it was just Get to Know Them. That was actually the slogan for the team that get year? To know get to Know Them Twins? All yes, right. yeah. Uh, you had the Piranha Twins, right? That was 2006. Ozzie kind Gien. of an era of Twins, but yeah, Ozzie Gian. The organic ones are the best, like yep. Ozzie Gian. Saw the the eight, nine, one, and two hitters all were just sort of slappy, stolen base, middle infielder types, and called them the piranhas. It was just death by paper cuts every single time. <laughs> Which is actually, now that I think about it, kind of a an incorrect nickname. Piranhas are vicious. Like that's brutal. You yeah, they will yeah, well, the clean the meat off Nick a bone Poon- in like minutes. But not they even. were. You see, Nick Punto eat a wing. They nipped. I have at, not. They no. nipped at you. They they were. They were a pain in the butt. Yeah. You ever seen Jason Tyner take batting practice? I have not. No, Can't okay. say that I have. All right, Judd, hand your mic off. Uh, we'll take a question from the crowd here. Tell us your name and tell us your least favorite member of the Scorn Twin Show. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> skip that part. It's actually really tough to hear. Uh, so I couldn't hear your, your second question there. I'm JD. I'm from Minneapolis. I've called in a few times. Welcome nice. to the show. Thanks. My, uh, I have two questions. One, uh, especially with the dude that they're starting tonight, at least when you're recording this Tuesday night, um, and uh, Luis Arias, who I'd never heard of before they called up, he's been brilliant. But do you think they're just showcasing showcasing trade bait with those guys? Wow. Ooh. Uh, and then two, I got to ask about windows. Because when you look forward to the next couple years, the question is not, oh, man, it's a huge, it's a huge question out in left field or anywhere on the field. It's how are they going to make room for Rice Lewis, Royce right. Lewis and... and Alex Kirilov, you know. Yeah. So those, those are my questions. That's the other awesome, thing, JD. like, yeah, off that you. second Thanks, point, JD, JD thank it. you, and enjoy your beer, and we appreciate you coming out today. Grab a T-shirt. Um, grab a T-shirt. So, and, and stick close so you can hear our answer in case the speaker isn't loud enough. Here's the fun experiment. 
if you go back and look at every time in Twins history in the last, let's say, 15, 20 years, you got to the trade deadline and it was, oh my gosh, would you give up this prospect that we've been reading about for four years for this player? And then go cross-reference the guys that we were like, oh my God, we can't give up Aaron Hicks for Cliff Lee. That would be you'd be ruining your franchise, right? And now, obviously, you'd go back to 2010 and give up five Aaron Hickses for one Cliff Lee right. for a shot in that postseason. So, I would say in general, whether you're showcasing the Luis Arias's or don't be too attached to a name in Double A if you're the Twins front office. I would still protect Kirloff and Royce Lewis, but Gratterall is probably not going to be up for trade now that he's hurt. But like anybody else, is a coin flip to pan out. Maybe at best, anyways. See, I, I think the two questions are, are connected. I think they're related to each other. And, and going back to what Judd says of you can't really count on a window being open for multiple years. I, and I, I do believe that, that a window can be open for multiple years. But what I'm saying is when you know the window is open in a given season, you kind of have to strike. And even to the degree, should the opportunity present itself you, I think you make Lewis and Kirilov available in a trade, in the right trade. Because you look at some of the teams that have made those trades that put themselves over the top. There's a guy who's absolutely raking for the New York Yankees right now. His name is Glaber Torres. And that was the Cubs' number one prospect. And they traded him for a guy named Araldis Chapman. They won a World Series. You think they're sitting there regretting trading Glaber Torres every day for Araldis Chapman, <laughs> who carried him in the postseason yeah, to that World yeah, Series yeah. victory? You know what I mean? So, if the right guy is on the market, if an, if somebody as dominant as an Araldis Chapman presents itself, you have to make guys like Lewis and Kirilov available if you think that puts you in the conversation for a World Series title. The tough part is if the Cubs don't win that World Series. This is the this is the the price you pay. Mm-hmm. People destroy them yes. for losing a piece of their future for the next six to ten years. But you're really what you're doing is, and I'm making these percentages. The Cubs entered that postseason with let's say a twenty percent chance to win the World Series without Araldis Chapman. You add Araldis Chapman, and maybe it's twenty five percent. Like you're right. just trying to make incremental moves to increase your percentage chance to win right now. Yeah, but it doesn't guarantee anything. I would argue that. When the Milwaukee Brewers traded for CC Sabathia, what was that like ten years ago now? Yeah, I think it was yep. 2011. For, okay, yeah. yeah, that that was that was the right trade, and then they get beat in the postseason, and they wind up. It was Matt Laporta was the prospect. So on paper, right move. About Michael Brantley, they whiffed in the postseason. Brantley was in that trade. Brantley was a throw-in in that trade, though. Yeah, he wasn't even the the major piece. I, I wanted that Laporta was gar- was garbage. He wound up doing nothing. I yeah, don't know done. that you're going to have to give up a top two prospect though. Because you need bullpen help, you don't you don't have to get it doesn't have to be a lights out closer type of guy, and I'd like I would personally like Mad Bomb, but there's only going to be X amount of teams that are going to be in competition for him. I think there's a very good chance to substantially improve your team and improve your chances of being successful in the playoffs without going there, and it's just those two players that I would be very reluctant to part with. I'd be reluctant, but I wouldn't rule it out. Well, yeah, I mean if if you can. Yes, if it comes down to it's either trade one of those or flat out shut the door on your opportunity to win the World Series, I'm with you on that. I don't think it comes to that. I think that you can improve your pitching without trading one of your top two prospects. Yes, 
And you have to. You can't trade those guys for a Madison Bumgarner rental. They, they no, won't do a, that. Not a Madison Bumgarner. They won't do that. But if you so, can get one of the more dominant arms in the league, and I, I don't even want to attach a sure, name sure, to it. Sure. I'm just saying. That's fair. If you can add an Aroldis Chapman type. Wait, wait, wait. This is the home of reckless speculation. Put if, a name on yeah, it, Macloff. If, if you're going to come with this, then you come with this. Give us a name. Give I don't even names. know what dominant arms are going to be available this trade deadline. I can't even think of any right now because we're so Noah early Syndergaard. in the game. Let's just say hypothetically. The injury, Noah the injury history scares me with Noah Syndergaard, so I don't know that I'd do that. But Trevor somebody, Bauer. I'll, that's what I was going to ask. Trevor, Trevor Bauer, Bauer, I would do it. Is that a, it's a year and a half, right? Yeah, you get you Trevor get Bauer for a year and a half. Do what? His team control. I would. Ba- I would give Bauer up. For I would give up either one of those guys. Indians Lewis say Bauer right now. Kirilov. Indians say right now. One of those two guys. You know what straight that's up, doing? Game that's on. putting it all on the table right there. Game on. Bang. But you get game next year too. You would get next. I wouldn't do that trade, but you would get next year out of it. I'm saying, but that's put. That would be. That would be an as un-Minnesota sports executive-like move as you could ever see. See, and I don't think they're going to make that specific move, and I think that's why this window talk to J.D.'s question, I don't think that this is a this year or next year or to Judd's point. I'm not even worried about the sky falling and one of our star players getting hurt because you have a lot of star players now. Like, Jason Castro is going to walk in free agency. That's fine. Mitch Garver's your starting catcher next year. Brios gets hurt in, in this fantasy land world. That's fine. You can sign free agents this winter. Martin Perez is back next year. You can figure out the pitching. It doesn't hinge on one player any longer. This is not Carl Anthony Towns getting hurt and the Wolves are shipwrecked. So, this is, you've got 20 guys who are good baseball I mean, players the and more are coming. shipwrecked with Carl Anthony that's fair. Towns. That's fair so. point. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the trade? So, so Levine said uh, before Twins Fest, that the window, I, I think, along the lines of the window is slightly open. We'll know it when we see it as far as it being fully open. We now know that, that to be true. It's open. So, question, what is the trade now in, in these guys being smart guys and assessing this and knowing that there appears to be a very special opportunity here, what does that mean now to them, do you guys think? It means you're willing to trade prospects. It means that you're also, Felvey's talked about this since the day he took over. He's, I don't think he's ever going to think. I don't, I don't think there's a scenario in which Felvey, in this role with this team, is going to say, every chip is on the table for this year. I'm going for it. I think he's always going to say, like, I, I bet you this. Here's a, here's a bet. They're going to make a trade, and they're going to add a pitcher in or before July. That pitcher will have team control next year. I don't think they're going to add a rental. Maybe they will, but they're also going to add to the 2020 team. I know for a fact that in 2018, when they're thinking about adding pieces and what might this look like and what's the winter going to be, they didn't say, let's add 2018 wins and move on. It was, how can we add 2018 wins to this roster that also add 2019 wins? They tried to do that with every single move they did, short of Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn was like the only one that they said, this is a this year move. Every other one had eyes on the future. And so I don't get this, uh, the window is going to slam shut here if you don't capitalize on this. In fact, it gets to my tweet if you boys are ready for it. It doesn't, real quick before you get to your tweet, yeah. just to back to the point I originally made, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, when I say what I say, I'm not saying that the window will only be open for one year. I'm just saying all we know is that the window is open this sure. year. We don't know that it'll be open beyond 2019. So if the opportunity presents itself to strike... Yeah. And to put yourself in the conversation legitimately as World Series contender, you got to make that Boy, move. I just think that we can make a reasonable guess that given how well it's gone for them this season, it's going to be good for the next three to seven years. 
I think a lot of teams and fan bases... I don't think that's crazy at all. I think a lot of teams and fan bases have made that assumption only to be kicked in the nether regions. Have you been drinking Fulton without <laughs> no, me knowing? No. Yeah, wasn't Ross supposed to be getting se- beers? Did you I just say seven over. years? Yes. I thought we were getting beers. Right? Like, that'd Lewis, be nice. Alex Kirilov, the pitching that they have coming up. Whoa. Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco are signed team-friendly as Phil deals. Said, though, this is easy, man. As Phil said, though, the the Nats GM brought up that same exact point how long ago but now? The Na- but, but, well, hold on. They're but, poorly but, run. But two things. Bad but that's a point into that's a point into his court because the, the Nats were playoff good for seven years. So he was, he was right. The Nats were right. We're going to be good for seven years. Yep. But there, but there's being playoff good, and then there's win the World Series good. Absolutely. Yeah. And they that's sort of the, that's the gap that we're talking about that's right what now. You're saying they well, shouldn't right, have no, no. But, but shut him down. But in doing that, what frustrated fans, and I get that, and where the opportunity presents itself here is, you look to be World Series good, and everything. There are years where everything breaks right. Mm-hmm. And so you have to take advantage of that. You can't assume then that things are going to break right because it's sports yeah. on a yearly basis. All right, we're going to have to push Derek's tweet That's back fine. another fine. couple minutes here because we have another question from the crowd. Tell us what your name and, uh, and tell us your question. I know his name. This is Josh. How are you doing? I am Josh. What's hey, up, Josh? Josh? Uh, let's assume that this year is not the year that we're going whoa, for. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pessimism. Whoa, hey, we don't whoa. like that We cut the brakes on this we thing, We don't like man. that around Way to go, here. Josh. You... You're fist bumping him for pessimism? I've never seen that. He's realistic. In the history of fist bumps, not one has ever been given out for pessimism. Josh is realistic. I like Josh already. If you only get assigned two of three, let's assume that's probably realistic, to long-term deals, Brios, Buxton, Rosario. Good question. It's a great question. (laughs) So two of three. We get to sign two of three. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That is tough. Um, Is it? It is. Brios, Rosario, Buxton. Um, So... I, I get nervous about the pitcher contracts, so I would take the two position player guys. I would go. That's where I was leaning. I would. I think you could probably lock up Buck, like Buxton might get even better from this point forward, and you could probably do what you did with Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler, get him on the cheap. I mean, if you had to renegotiate right now with Jorge Polanco, can you imagine how much more money that dude would be asking for right. in a long term seven year contract? So I would go for Buxton. I would go for the two uh, position players because I think. There's much more of a chance that Brio sits out for two years with. Uh, now I'm on Judd's pessimism yeah, side here. Yeah, you've been here spending too much Tommy time with Tommy Johnson. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, just now saying. we 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 know. Guys, for I know fact it's good now, but it might they, not be good someday. <laughs> we do know for a fact that they approached Rosario at the same time that they went yes. to the, the Polancos, and he said no. Buxton, these three are going to drive you. Like they're not going to take deals. So all all three of these guys are going to take this as long as they possibly can. Buxton, I think, is still miffed about things. Buxton's going to break the bank eventually, but I think you, you've got to accept that and sign him. Yep. Um, I probably go Barrios and Buxton. I probably do yeah. that, well, and and do, and too. if that's what I have to do, I trade Rosario. I mean, he's a corner outfielder. I love him, but Buxton you have to keep. And if Barrios Bar- is flat out, I think going to be an ace, and those guys are so hard to find. Yep. How but- many more years on uh, Barrios's? Contract. How long do they have control of him for? So three more. They played the Super Two games. So I think it's, I think it's this and two after that. That's what Josh is saying. I think he's right about that. So mm-hmm. here's, I did some research on the market value, what these contracts would be too. Let's assume that this goes well for all those guys. It's just a good year for him. Twins go to playoffs. Whatever. Those are three of the important drivers. Barrios is in line for the Aaron Nola slash Luis Severino contract this upcoming winter. He would sign for four and. Somewhere between forty and forty-five million dollars, I would do that. I'm not 
I'm not losing sleep over that. I don't care if he loses a year to surgery. I'm doing that contract with Barrios. Buxton is fascinating because there's such a range of players that you could model his contract after, depending on where you think he's headed. But just figure he's going to be at, like, minimum $100 million player, and now you're just negotiating how high does that number go and how many years of control can you get. That's, I don't know, like, I'm not going to put a number on a contract, but I don't think you can let this slide. I don't think you can let this pass and not sign Byron Buxton. So if I'm picking between the three, which I agree might be reasonable, unfortunately for the Twins, Rosario's the odd man out just because I can't let those other two walk out the door. I'm with Phil. I'm just too scared by long-term pitcher contracts. There's just too much at risk there. Scared money don't make no money. Too many variables. That's uh, tried and true economics principle. I mean, that's why I'm poor. Goes back so to Adam made, Smith yeah, and the invisible sense. hand. Yeah, absolutely. I just, man. Those, that, that was the Mets front office's famous last words when they signed <laughs> Johan for seven years. <laughs> scared money. Well, scared money don't make money. Then, Chips. then Terry right. Collins threw him out there for 135 pitches in yeah, a You probably could have run that better. Yeah. Yank the guy from the game. <laughs> Idiots. I, look, I, I think this is the, why the window talk is so fascinating to me because you do have some of those guys locked in. Kepler is guaranteed wins in 2020. I don't care. Like, put a percentage on it. I don't care how many wins above replacement you think he's going to be. It's not zero. Yep. And you're paying him five million bucks. Same for Polanco. Like, that's a fantastic place to be starting. The interesting variable, and Josh will throw this back just like as a thought. Miguel Sano, he goes and has a good year like this. He strikes out a ton, but he's got power. He can play third base. Is he still part of your core? That's that's where you start. I think people would start to draw the line there and say, no, thanks. Good production. Let's see what happens. But long-term contracts go. That's going to be the fascinating one for me. Gentlemen, I found I found a list from 2004 in case we're thinking about, all right, like what would you try to offer for Bumgarner? What would you be scared to offer for Trevor Bauer? Whatever, right? So these are the Twins' top prospects in 2004. Maurer and Morneau were number one and number two. Their third best prospect was Matt Moses. Yeah. Third baseman, Matty I remember. Matt. Who could yeah. Yeah. I remember Matt Moses. Matt Moses. Number four was J.D. The Real Deal Durbin. Oh, man. That's right. What he self-nicknamed him himself The Real Deal. Red flag. Is he Twins around anymore, or can I take that? No, it's all yours. Oh, cool. I think, I think the trademark when they saw it back then, I actually, they? That has man. a ring to it. Rami the real, real deal, deal. Makloff. Wow. That has a real ring to it. Rami the real Happy Meal Makloff. <laughs> wow. I, I'm like, I don't know. Ouch. Two fat uh, jokes in one podcast. <laughs> that wasn't me, by the way. Uh, Je- Jesse Crane was number three on uh, number five on this list. And he, he was good, but yep. like, of course you'd, you'd trade Jesse Crane. And any, Jason Bartlett, number six. Uh, Denard Spann, number seven. He was very good for two or three years, but you would never hesitate to put him in a trade at the deadline at this point. Jason Kubel, injuries. Uh, Grant Balfour and Michael Restovich round out the ten. Couldn't forget. So Resto. basically, like two through ten, you're trading all of them for Madison Bumgarner. Like, Absolutely, you're just, like, you're in a heartbeat. That's the yeah. thing about that's the thing about prospects. No matter how good they look, yeah, when they get up to the major league level, it's a crapshoot. Now yeah. I'm out. So you're you're trading you're trading the unknown for a known when you make these types of deals. Boys, I found Judd Zolgad's burner account earlier today. All right, on Twitter. Our friend Chad, and actually I don't think it's Judd because I've tweeted back and forth with Chad before while Judd was in the room, and that would be next level con of Judd if he pulled that off. <laughs> okay. Chad, I wouldn't put it past him. Chad tweeted at me today. Actually, at three of us. Sorry, Phil, you weren't on this. At Judd Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting, at Derek was Wetmore. Chad asks, how long is the Twins' window to win a championship? 
I think it's about three to four years. If they don't win a title in that time, is it a fail, or is it being good and the playoffs is just the best that Minnesota can do in sports? End tweet. That let me, had let, to have been written by Judd Zolgat. Let me let me, let me let me answer that. Well, because of the I said enjoy must the moment, win a championship. Dude. I said enjoy the moment. You already got a 10-game lead over the Cleveland Indians at the end of May, and you're going to the playoffs. Live in the moment for two seconds and enjoy this run. Here's how I would answer that tweet. It's worried about failing. baseball's not a sport that you can say championship or bust in, right? Because and it's ho- hockey. We we put championship or bust on hockey, but I would say that's not fair too. The playoffs are too much of a crapshoot in baseball and hockey to say you have to win the championship in the NFL. If you've got Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers for six years in their prime, like sorry, you got you got to win a championship. If you're an NBA team with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, you got to win a championship. If you're a really, really good baseball team, you might only have a 25% chance at best to win a championship because baseball's hard, and the best teams are only 9-7 and seven NFL teams, but right? Pa- They're 91 teams. Part of this to me, and a very important part, is this is based on also opportunity, feeling, and where things stand. Yep. And everything right now for the Twins is going right. Everything. And, and they're capitalizing. Good for them. But this is where... Two months in, I think you look at this team right now, their positioning, their success, and say, this is a World Series type of season potentially. Not every playoff year feels that way. I mean, there there have been Twins teams before that made the playoffs, and did you really say to yourself, that's a World Series team? I don't think so. So I think ultimately you can crunch the numbers all you want, do everything right, but some of this has to come down to do we feel that this has a special feeling to it? And so far, two months in, in 2019, I think the question is, or the, the answer to the question is, absolutely it feels that way. Yep. It just does. Yeah, I think the window is open for multiple years. But again, I don't think you can take that for granted. You know the window is open now, so now is the time to strike. If you're still in position to strike next year, you do it again. again. And if yeah. you're in position <laughs> to strike right. the year That's after right. that, you strike again. But Damn you never... Right. You never take a chance for granted. And all you ask, at least all I ask as a fan of a baseball team, is keep that window open as long as possible. You be in the conversation as often as you can be in the conversation and then hope some of those things that are out of your control go the right way. The real MVP is is delivering things right now. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's okay. Derek was going to spill it on himself anyway, so thank <laughs> yeah, you so much. <laughs> Fulton, come in. He's, he's kind a bit of a lightweight. Right. So, so here, here is to uh, go back on the prospect point, too. Beyond the upper echelon top prospects, here's a name that I, I want to throw out there as a guy who we've talked about for a long time now and Raw's like, oh, boy, prospect. Steven Gonsalves. He's hurt again. They don't know when he's co- coming back. And I'm not even trying to apply that he was this upper, upper echelon guy. But I think we as fans and in our business do get caught up in talking about these sort of might-be-good guys that, back to Phil's point, you should never be afraid to trade if that will complete that trade. Yeah, here's the other other safety blanket the Twins have when it comes to what they would give up prospect-wise to land a -a rent-a-pitcher or someone on a a year-and-a-half left in their contract. The fact that they've been able to take guys like Martin Perez and Taylor Rogers. And turn those dudes into monsters. It gives you confidence that they can do that with pretty much anybody, right? Like they're able to go and say, "All right, eighth round draft pick guy or rule five draft pick guy, yeah. we can just turn you into an eighth inning lights out dominant reliever." I'm not saying that any pitcher can be turned into right. a dominant player, but if you can replicate that, 
more often than other teams, you're much more free to trade from your bin of prospects because you always have a pipeline of either players being developed or players being identified and drafted and traded for another organization. And if your 30th prospect is as good as other organizations' ninth best prospect, I'm not, I don't know if that's where the Twins are at, but you build that sort of pipeline, it's easy. You trade anybody you want to. Now, I'm still not trading those top three guys, but that's because I'm risk-averse. But you can trade anybody, anybody on that list and not feel like you're shutting off your window in the future. Gonsalves is on that list for me. I'm not. You're risk averse. You just told me that scared money don't make money. That's now you're true. Risk averse. That's why guy. I'm poor too. Gonsalves <laughs> is on what list? I trade him. It doesn't matter. Oh yeah. Like I like him. Great dude. But I mean, we and he came in the about- spring training throwing 95, and I was like, whoa, this is a different pitcher. And then he's hurt. And we've t- talked about this kid for how long now? Seriously, three or four years? At least three years? Feels like it. And it's always like Stephen Gonsalves is... And oh, you know throw what? Nick Gordon on that list, too. He's exactly. been a guy like, you can't trade Nick Gordon. But that's the point. This is the type of year when I think you look at that secondary list of guys and you don't, if you're the Twins, say, untouchable. The top ones, I get it. It's very tough. After that, though, you've got an, if you've got an opportunity to immediately upgrade that team and it's the right guy, you've got to pull the trigger. Who wants to go David Bakhtiari on one of these lonely blondes? <laughs> I'll get the reference. I'm not much of a what? chugger. Wait, you don't get the reference? Uh-uh. The Packer? Yes. No. Did you not? You haven't been watching Aaron the NBA Rod- playoffs? Aaron Rodgers tried it. Sorry. Oh, my God. Kristen Yelich did it. I've been I watching baseball, guys. There's a real one, sport going on. <laughs> the Twins are 20 games over 500. Have a beer. Um, no, that's the, that's the point of the... Here, chug both of these, and you'll have David Bakhtiari... <laughs> Both right. these beers. All right. That's what he did courtside at the Bucks game. He wow. chugged the beer. I'm not much of a chugger, but I'll give it a try. If Coming up want. next on Score North, yeah, Derek Wetmore on pop culture. Okay. <laughs> we'll I want to see it. 30-second show, and then we'll go to the next show. You guys, what's this, like, what's this Thrones thing you guys have all been talking about? <laughs> That's what, actually, I'm also not in on. That's I'm also, hey, I'm cheers. also clueless. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to not watching Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? We're hanging out at Fulton. It's the Score North Twin Show. I got one. Judd, Rami, yeah. Wetmore, Mackey, just to wrap this thing up. Let's go through the table right now and, and each beyond the Bomba Sodas. Yep. Let's give our one thing about this team that has impressed us most. And I'll, okay. st- and, and I'll start. After a weekend of watching this team play defense, man, are they fundamental. They're sound. And Marwin Gonzalez, who had never started until the month of May, this month, never started a game in his career in right field. He had played some there, but never started a game. Made a catch on Saturday, a diving catch. It might have been more difficult than it should have, but there were two guys on, and he made the damn catch. C.J. Crone at first base. Maurer was really good. But C.J. Crone, I think, has played exceptionally well. We're also thinking of Maurer from like his first two years at first base. He was very good at first base at the end, but like, yeah, he, he, had was ta- he had tailed off, and he would have been tailing off even more yep. this year. But but really, I, I think an underappreciated element of the success of this team that sets them up to, to then come up and score 18 runs is the fact that that defense continually puts them in good position. I won't take the easy answer, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what Judd's saying. We don't talk. I don't think we talk enough about the pitching. Now, is it lights out? Are they world beaters, the Twins pitching staff, whether we're talking about the starting rotation or the bullpen? No, but I think that they've been much better than a lot of people thought they would be, and specifically Martin Perez and Jake Odorizzi and a couple of the arms out of that bullpen. They've far exceeded expectations that people had for this Twins pitching staff as a whole, and I think a lot of it goes back to what Judd was just talking about, which is how good the defense has been behind them, but also how well-positioned 
the defense has been behind them. They are shifting probably two or three times more than they did just a season ago, and, and, and that's making a huge difference. Guys are where the ball is being hit, so pitchers are getting outs more easily, and therefore less runs are going up on the board. It all sounds very simple, but these are the dominoes that you're trying to line up when you're a baseball team. Yeah. How, how, do we get, how do we get the guy on the mound who's more likely to get outs, and then how do we put the guy behind them who helps him be even more likely to get outs that's run prevention is what this game is all about and the twins yeah have done that far better than i think anyone expected them to do i would say and, and I'll, I'll give my answer but Derek might be able to shed more light on this as just a guy who knows the inner workings of the twins the last few years i'm most impressed by coaching i don't think you take this many hitters and elevate them all to their 90th percentile by accident i don't think it's just well players win games got a bunch of good players i mean would, would, would the Warriors still be a really good team without good coaching? Yes. But you put a bunch of really talented shooters and get them to play unselfishly and tap into where they should be on the court, right? Like, now you're talking Hall of Fame dynasty. For the Twins, a bunch of really talented guys, high draft picks, highly touted international signings, and then you get them the right instruction, the right information, etc., and watch them all explode yeah. in 2019. So I would a, say I think coaching is an underrated and unquantifiable thing. That's a future show for sure. There's a lot of meat on that bone in terms of how the Twins are getting the most out of their players. It's fascinating. Thanks for coming. Got, bye, you. guys. I, I think that mine is I, it's not a cop-out, but it's helping to balance the scale a little bit because the catcher. We talk a lot about Williams Estadio, and rightfully so. Fun story. Great. Jason Castro has been a star and doesn't get any love, but the person that I'm going to say, just for purposes of this show so I can do my mic drop, the number one thing that I've been most impressed with this season has been World Series hero, future World Series hero, Mitch Garver, becoming not only like relevant behind the plate and good in a place where we used to scoff and say, ugh, he's not a big league catcher. He's become more than a big league catcher, and he looks like Mike Piazza circa turn of the century this this has johnny been an bench incredible season in, right this some there bench. is a little johnny bench some yogi buster Barrett, posey a little bit of bu- i don't know yogi about the Barrett? yogi because he's just kind of more Fisk? reserved maybe a little carlton no Fisk I, I is garver gonna be waving a ball fair and target field? <laughs> garver doesn't wave foul balls fair he just hits them all fair he'll and be that, waving no, he just, to his home run he just tells them to go fair he just says go fair there's no hook he's he's one of the best hitters in baseball he's a good defensive catcher he's coming back sooner than you'd expect with the high ankle sprain He's going to be one of their star players and one of the reasons that they're playing meaningful games in September and in October. Good stuff, you guys. None of us said home runs. No, so I asked what's the most impressive thing about that this game. I felt like an asterisk. I, I took oh, we out. took out home <laughs> runs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Those, those he said excluding Bomba Soda. Right. The yeah. sexy thing, but there's, there's, so many, there's so many other things this team has done well that sort of get lost that are impressive. Yeah. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. The Scorner Twin Show from Fulton. I got to drink more Fulton. And uh, we'll be doing a few of these. I know we're we're working on a, we're working on doing one of these with Glenn Perkins at some point this summer, Ooh. where we just come and we hang out and there's beer and uh, we we just spew hot twins takes basically for 45 minutes. But cold beer and hot takes. I just yep. called Mitch Garver a future World Series hero, so I feel like I get the hot. You just take and then and then dump that whole beer over your head. Like what? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Skip that Bayless. Was, that was amazing. That should be um, the name of a podcast, by the way, if it's not already. Cold beer and hot takes. I think the. I think we should trademark that all right. right now. Let's all make right. that happen. All right. we post uh, you, can, you can find all kinds of additional Twins podcasts and content on scorenorth.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Scorno Twin Show live in air quotes at Fulton, downtown Minneapolis. <laughs>